This Talking Flutes podcast is kindly sponsored by Trevor James Flutes, making life sound beautiful. You can show them some flute love by following them on Instagram at TJ Flutes, Trevor James Flutes on Facebook, and at trevorjamesflutes.com. Hello there and welcome this week to Talking Flutes Extra with me Jean-Paul Wright. The intro music is as usual, Bessame Mucho, played by the wonderful Giovanni Perez. As I have been mentioning on these podcasts during the past couple of months, I have been wanting to use this time of COVID-19 social isolation and being holed up in my house just outside of London to catch up with some of the wonderful flute players and musicians who are always far too busy flying around the world performing to speak with little old me. This week, I have a really special treat for you, and this time, he can't escape his mobile phone. One of the busiest flute players I know, he is a very special musician, soloist, author, teacher, educator, wine and champagne connoisseur, and a seriously nice guy. He established his international reputation as a flautist and soloist, In the 20 years, he was principal flute of the London Symphony Orchestra and then the five years in the same position at the Philharmonia Orchestra. Always in demand for masterclasses, recitals and concerts worldwide, he has also found the time in his hectic schedule to have edited and published more than 25 books of flute music. His The 28-Day Warm-Up Book for All Flautists eventually is a bestseller and has been translated into Japanese, Spanish, Russian, and I'm sure other languages as well. It is a must-have book on my music stand, and comes highly recommended. In 2015, he launched his online flute education resource, simplyflute.com. The website provides both free and subscription materials to help flute players and teachers on their respective journeys, and we'll speak a little bit later about this. So... I'd like to give a Talking Flutes Extra podcast welcome to me old buddy, Paul Edmund Davis. Welcome, Paul. Well, thank you very much for that lengthy introduction, <laughs> and I'll just try and ease my rather extended and large head through the door and sit down <laughs> so I can talk to you. No, it's lovely to be here, and as you say, I think the uh, the one of the you know, one of the pluses of the situation that we're in at the moment is that people are having that little extra bit of time to communicate with another that they weren't expecting. And I think in this business, uh, you know, music is a form of communication, a very important form of communication. So the fact that we're now speaking as well as playing can only be a bonus. Now, you haven't been quiet, have you, during this period of lockdown? Ever since I was sent away to school at the age of seven and was, you know, completely miserable about that, <laughs> I've I've been perfectly comfortable with my own company. So uh, this has been a very very interesting time actually because, um, you know, yes, this is the first time. I mean, before this happened, if I was at home for more than about four weeks, I would start getting really tetchy. And sort of think, ah, I've got to get on the road again. I've got, you know, got to get to America. I've got to get to Japan. I've got to get around Europe. Anywhere, just to sort of keep on the move. I've always maintained that the best way a, a, a flute player can be is as a moving target. And um, <laughs> and suddenly, suddenly, this forced lockdown has happened, and it's really made me realise a whole ton of things, actually, because. You, you know, I'm in the twilight of my career now, sort of, you know, getting on in life and not not being morose about it. But you suddenly realise there's all sorts of things that you want to do and still have yet to do. But that clock is most definitely ticking. And whilst I love going on the road to all these exotic places, and I, you know, I, I love the people I meet, I love the food that I eat, um, the experiences are wonderful. But I've reached a stage in my life now where hanging around in airports 
just is not at the top of my list of fun things to do. And so this COVID-19 situation has made me, has really actually given me the chance to plough on, uh, you've mentioned my, you know, my, my sort of pet uh, website, the Simply Flutes, and it, that will always need content created for it. And it's also, it's not just a case of providing content, but it's providing content that's both stimulating, engaging, interesting, and can also, as I think you said, sort of help people on their journeys with both, uh, you know, both music and the flute, because they're 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 completely intertwined. They are indeed. And before we talk about simply flute, and I really like to delve into that because I find it fascinating. All the different subsections contained within the website. Right. I would very much doubt that any of the flute players listening to this podcast will have not actually heard of you or your wonderful flute playing. However, for those who are perhaps of the younger generation and haven't come across you on one of your worldwide masterclasses, let's start with, and let's get it out the way first, with the wonderful film music that we can also hear you on, such as Star Wars, Harry Potter films. Let's get that out of the way, Paul, because you are known, especially in the US, for that. Well, I, I'm, yes, you know, I mean, I, through both my connection with orchestras and as a freelance player, I've, I, you know, I've had the opportunity of playing on a lot of uh, film soundtracks. But you know, there, there are there are others in London who have done many, many more than I have. But I, but you know, for some reason, I've landed on some good ones. I, you know, I I did little bits of the first two Harry Potters, and then I ask people, uh, you know, when I'm giving classes, you know, what's the name of the third Harry Potter? And, uh, <laughs> they they say, oh, the Prisoner of Azkaban, and I say, well. Uh, if you, I don't know if you remember, but there's a scene in that where some large winged creatures are flying, and there's the most amazing flute solo going on at the same time. They go, "Oh yes, yes, yes!" And I tell them that wasn't me. I didn't do that movie. Um, <laughs> so that that was that that was uh, Karen Jones and Anna Noakes playing that. Oh, was it? Massively, yeah, a massively fine job of that they did too. Didn't they just? Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's a strange one. If I if I go on, you know, if I'm particularly Particularly somewhere like Japan, where things tend to be quite formal, um, you know, I'm introduced as the principal flute of uh, you know London Symphony Orchestra for 20 years, and there's sort of polite applause. And then if then if they say, and also the uh, the flute player on Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, Deadpool 2, um, you know, they are. <laughs> Oh, incredible! Yeah. So, so, um, and in fact, you know, I've I've given classes that are based very loosely around some of the films that I've played on. I mean, I played on Beauty and the Beast, for example, which, of course, has got some great melodies in it, and you can use those melodies to demonstrate different aspects of flute playing. There's one which has got a melody that's got you know, quite wide intervals in it. Uh, there's one that's got a, a a rhythm in it that people find difficult to play. A syncopated rhythm so there is so much that we can learn from film music and i mean of course yeah if, if i if i can convince a young person that the mozart uh, d major flute quartet is a beautiful piece i'll i'll be thrilled but they need something that's that's actually more contemporary to get them hooked in the first place and that's what i'm interested in now is trying to get young people interested not in not in becoming the next principal flute of the chicago symphony orchestra or the berlin phil but actually picking up a flute purely for the joy of playing a musical instrument and picking up something which is going to be both challenging and engaging and hopefully ultimately rewarding and gratifying. Now, I've known you for a long time, Paul, and you've always looked sideways. You've never looked straight forward, have you? You've always looked at you, I, I, you've, I your net. To, you've gone to spec savers. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you, you don't drag a big net behind with you. You're always sort of fishing around to see where where you can where you can actually motivate. And if anyone goes to your masterclasses, they will know that you don't do it like a normal, a normal one, like, like the ones that you would normally receive at, um, 
uh, flute conventions, you are very much hands-on and you really bring different visuals in to do with imagination, to do with interpretation. Well, I, I think I think that, you know, we, you know, we have to acknowledge the history of the instrument and the people involved in the education of it. Mm. But as with everything, you know, education also needs to evolve. And my feeling is that, uh, you, you know, there's uh, in, in certainly in the United Kingdom, there is uh, you know, great admiration and following for the French school of flute playing. And by that, I mean sort of Tafnel and Gobert through to Marcel Moyes and Jean-Pierre Rampal. Yep. And there is, you know, there, absolute respect. There's some amazing material there. But, you know, all those people that I've mentioned are now deceased and the world has continued to evolve. But if we're constantly looking backwards for inspiration as to how to do things, I think we're missing out on grasping the moment ourselves. Um, and so... I'm constantly looking for ways of expressing this. And in fact, that's really why the 28-day warm-up book came up in the first place, is because there were numerous things that I couldn't do on the instrument and I couldn't work out why. Um, and uh, it was as a result of writing those exercises that, uh, you know, I, as an example, the, the opening page of the Poulenc Flute Sonata, everyone's really comfortable going, yeah, that's, that's lovely. What a lovely tune, Mr. Poulenc. Thank you very much for writing that for us. Towards the bottom of the page, you get... And, of course, no one's actually told us that your fourth and fifth fingers in both hands on the flute are effectively the property of Satan. <laughs> and he sent those fingers to completely sabotage your flute playing. Now, you know, we can do, we can do all sorts of exercises. You know, I, I say to people, I ask people, how do you get independence in your fingers, in your hands? And they say, ah, I practice Tafnel and Gobert EJ1, the very first exercise book. But that isn't an exercise for the fingers. That's an exercise in playing notes evenly. Um, the only way we're going to exercise the fingers, because the muscles in the hand that close are stronger than the muscles that open, we have to exercise the fingers in both directions. And the only way we're going to do that is with a gently repeating movement. Um, and you can do that in triplets or duplets. It doesn't matter. But we've got to go through that process to give the fingers the chance to develop the muscle strength. You know, I learn so much from teaching and you know it's, it's when, when i'm giving a class i mean I, I'm, I'm sort of um uh, i can almost quote liberace on this where you know when he came he used to come to london and play the albert hall and he, it was completely sold out for seven nights and he'd get up at the end and say oh thank you everyone you're so kind to me and when i come over here you're so warm and you're so generous and sometimes you know i just wonder how on earth can i take the money <laughs> but i always but i always do <laughs> so, I, you know, I, I, I go and give a class and as soon as someone gets up and I can see, you know, I suppose in a sense, you know, because of my own frustrations with myself, I can see where they're perhaps putting too much tension or creating bottlenecks for themselves. You know, articulation, that's another thing, you know, we, that we use our language as the means of articulating into the flute, which is a great idea up to a point because it actually doesn't serve the music we're playing unless that music tends to be quite violent. In the English language, in the English language, we use the tongue in an incredibly violent way, um, you know, and we also ricochet the the tongue off the roof of the mouth, and and that's not good for you know playing a, a slow melody in a Brahms symphony, for example. So we we have to be versatile. We have to find ways to do it. There are all sorts of mysteries. Um, the the fact that I'm still doing it at the age that I am now is testament to the fact that it isn't easy, um, that it's 
it's all consuming and uh, you, you know there's always something new to discover and something to learn and you know i feel incredibly grateful uh, for that and the, the idea of you know retiring is completely alien to me <laughs> do you know what i really like is the fact that you give the due regards and respect for the history of the flute but like art, art hasn't stayed in the Renaissance, has it? Or hasn't no. stayed in Impressionism. It has moved on. And we have this, yeah. you know, we can appreciate the various stages. It's the stage now where graffiti is and, you know, a Banksy pops up somewhere and everybody's lauding it. And I like the yeah. fact that you say the flute should almost, well, should be like this, should be evolving because the nature of the player and the person coming into it is also evolving. I, I think I've reached that stage of life now where I know that I can't please everyone and I'm not <laughs> bothered about that. But, you know, there, there, are, there are various things that have taken place, in my opinion, that have done a, a lot of damage to both music and to musicians. And there are two items that immediately spring to mind that if I ruled the world of music, perish the thought I would have sent into outer space. The first is a metronome <laughs> and the second is a tuning machine. Really? Because I I you know of course you know if you're if you're if if you're trying to teach a young person to play in time of course a metronome is very valid but you know I think metronomes uh, you know they're there to serve a particular purpose but then you know we as human beings should develop a skill to be able to play in time and in the same way, we should develop our hearing and our ears to be able to play in tune. Uh, there's no such thing as an in-tune flute. It's the player that has to be in tune because what they've got in their hands, there are so many variables that they've got to have, they themselves have got to have the ability to be able to control those variables. It's not the instrument that's going to control them. The, the instrument is actually pretty basic, but it's up to the individual to actually to, to use their ears. Um, so, yes, I don't make myself very popular when I say I'd have tuning machines and metronomes banished to the, to the, to the outer kingdoms. I suppose it's a bit like um, having the internet and still looking back through books. Uh, you oh, can, I mean, you, you, can, that. you can quickly go on the internet, get the answer, rather than have to root back through the books, like we used to, Paul, when we were at school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think that's a that, that's a, a very valid point. I can't imagine Mozart, you know, on top of his piano had a metronome. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he was focusing on, now, shall I play in time today? He was actually focusing on what shall I say today? And, and this is the other thing that I think we, we tend to get too um, sort of uh, embroiled in the things which are secondary rather than primary. And I think the other thing that, that as I'm getting older that interests me is that I want to try and provide, and this is, this is where Simply Flute comes into it, I want to try and provide a platform for people to develop their skills on the instrument, but primarily through music rather than technique for the sake of technique. And I feel that so much that has gone on in the past has been focused purely on technique in what I consider to be a very, very uninteresting way, just by sort of repeating things ad nauseam, but they don't go anywhere. And surely if we're involved in music, we need to actually be going on some kind of a journey because the the yeah you know, the end result is we've got to stand up and take other people on a journey, and if we're not actually doing that within our practice, then there's something lacking and there's something that we're not training for. And I always liken this, you know, you know, act, that there's no such thing as an actor not acting, even when they're off the stage, they're still acting. Um, so, uh, you know, we, 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 there's an element of that that we've got to be involved in as well. I remember in uh, a flute course 
that we did a few years ago. One at Harrogate, Paul. And you're yeah, one, talking... one of the very few you one of the very few you bothered to turn up for. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no, you're a hard worker. <laughs> um, <laughs> I remember you you were talking to people about music, and you were tell, saying that each piece that you play is a story. And you were right. you're you're unpicking in this beautiful way the fact that every note is a word, and that you to communicate right. to the audience in a way that isn't a technical exercise to bring them into this narrative. Each note has to be a word, and you are creating this story about a piece of music, and that goes back right. with what you're saying then. Well, I, Jim, this this kind of you know, there's going to be many different reasons why this kicked off. But I think the the, the thing that interests me interests me most about this is that many many years ago, and, and there will be people listening who won't know the name, but the jazz pianist Oscar Peterson would um, he came over to London and he did some uh, sort of half hour 40 minute shows for the BBC and I happened to know the floor manager of the studio and I got into all of these and um, he had he would have a guest with him he had Count Basie with him one day so many years ago I had the chance of meeting Count Basie um, but uh, at the end of the each of these uh, you know, sessions where he'd been playing and interviewing one of the greats from jazz um, there was a uh, questions from the audience and someone said to him at the end, oh, uh, Mr. Peterson, you, you must have played my funny Valentine thousands of times. Um, so you know, what goes through your mind when someone requests that you play my funny, my funny Valentine yet again? And he said, you know, it's terribly simple. I say to myself, OK, what can I do with this piece today? that I've never done before. Yes. And and I think that that is such an important thing. Now, you, I, d- I doubt that we're going to have the opportunity here to get into particularly lengthy discussion about being nervous. But you know, everyone gets nervous and everyone has to find their way of dealing with it. But for me, you know, before I go on to a concert and play a concert, let's say the the first piece is the foray fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and rather than thinking, oh, my goodness, I'm nervous, I am actually saying to myself, okay, yes, I've played this many times, but what can I do with this piece today that I, you know, might even surprise myself? What, what, what route can I take that isn't so, you know, isn't the way I've always done it. So that's exactly it. You know, you know, it might help people if they get nervous before they walk onto the stage, just to be focusing on that, because I've found that completely takes my mind off being nervous. And and again, you know, you're you can focus on what you're doing rather than worrying about what people are thinking. Oh, absolutely. You also said all those years ago, and you probably still say it now that. You play an A, for example, and then you play an A in a minute's time, and they're not the same note. It's it's a very different uh, feeling. It's a very different sound. So as you're saying, if you're going to play the 4A, play it differently, because however you're going to do it now will be different than tomorrow yeah, and the I, day I, after. I, I, and, you know, I, I sort of say, you know, I never want to be one of those people that says, yeah, this is how I play this piece. Um, you know, it's sort of, you know, it's like, you you know, if you did everything the same, I mean, you know, you know, fortunately, we don't eat chicken every day, for example. So, <laughs> I, and, and that's that's the same with music. You know, I mean, I, I think it, you, you're right uh, from that point of view that, you know, every day we are different and we're going to approach things in a different way. But I think what I what I find very irritating is when I um, I hear uh, flute players you know, talk about a piece, let's say, the foray fantasy, oh, no, it's so boring, that piece. Well, no, you've made it boring because actually it's it's phenomenally good music for our instruments and we're, we're not blessed with, you know, the kind of repertoire that string players and pianists get. So, uh, you know, it's our job to actually make whatever music is is in front of us, it's our job to bring it to life at that moment and people say you know, oh who's who's your favorite composer and I'm like, well the one i'm playing at the moment <laughs> it's that you know I, and that you 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 have to be completely engaged and involved at all times 
And uh, that is the, the key, I think, key, one of the key messages is engaged at all times, being very present rather than sort of focusing ahead or backwards. Well, I mean, I think the, the, the point about that is, is that you know, it, it's so easy when we're practicing. And again, I mean, I'll, I'll sort of highlight something like Tafnel and Gobert. They're great exercises, but if you do them every day, you're running that risk of just going into automatic pilot. Yes. Um, and, 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 you know, I mean, another one that I, I personally struggle, right? you know, if any, if you know, the people out there really love doing it, I'm very happy for them. But the sort of moise de la sonority, going from a B <laughs> to a B flat, then a B flat to an A, I, I, I would rather watch paint dry on the wall, quite frankly, because it, it's, it's, it doesn't stimulate me musically at all. And I, I know people who are very happy doing that, and I'm delighted for them. But you know, we've, we also uh, we also have to understand that you know one hat doesn't fit all. Yes. Yeah, and from that point of view, you know, it's 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 up to us to find the things that that are, are stimulating. It, don't you think that's the, that's the key for a teacher and in a masterclass to actually understand the person that's standing in front of you? rather than having a, a stock response to the usual things that are going wrong? Um, I, I mean, yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're into very murky uh, territory here. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, I, I think, if someone is getting up and playing and is, is, there is someone giving tuition, mm. then the, it is the job of the person giving tuition to find the areas where they can make a contribution. Yeah, that might that might help that person understand what they're doing more. Um, you know, I, I, as as I'm sure you know, uh, to all too well. You know, there, there's there's so much ten, you know, unnecessary tension that goes into our playing because you know we've we're, we're, we're fundamentally we're pathetic human beings, and that's our <laughs> our way. Of, of 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 trying to do something well of course you know you, you that kind of tension is so negative when you're operating you know lots of keys in your hands and you're trying to get your articulation and your lips to do various things so um it's complicated it's very complicated and on the complication or not complication let's move on to simplifying or simply flute.com uh-huh okay right uh, I, now you i'm i'm not well i mean again this this kind of came out of the fact that um i felt that there you know i do feel that there's an awful lot of literature out there um you know designed to help us on our journey with the flute um for me it's kind of too scattered you know i i can find uh, you know, I can find certain exercises in one book and certain other exercises in another book, but um, they're not all sort of brought together. Um, in, in a sense, there are kind of um, too many traces of method still floating around. And it kind of came out of the fact that, uh, you know, for various reasons, I started going back in time. And because of a book I found in a secondhand bookshop in Hungerford many years ago, I ended up finding myself drawn to uh, mid-19th century Italian music. But Raboni? Well, Raboni was, was the, the person that kicked that off. That's the book that I found. Um, but then, then that led, research led me sort of further back from him to, funnily enough, not a um not an italian but uh, a frenchman called berbiguier and it, there are there are two key books there is a berbiguier method but it's not available any longer um though i think it, it might well be on imslp but there are two books 18 studies in all tonalities and the grand, grand characteristic studies and if you look at those they are um, they demonstrate the weaknesses of the instrument at Berbiguier's time. Berbiguier was a contemporary of Paganini. 
And you, the, you know, flutes in those days were between a disaster and a catastrophe in terms of their make. And yet Berbigier realized that it was the human that had to control the instrument. And the exercises and studies that he, he wrote were very much geared towards us ha having building greater strength to control the instrument. And that sort of then led me to sort of think, well, then, then Raboni, Raboni, in fact, uh, his 24 studies are supposed to be the completion of the Berbigier method. When you look at his visit, you know, he was the principal flute of La Scala Milan for 30 years. You, you know, what he's put together, it's riddled with attempts to make the flute sound like the human voice. And having been a chorister in Canterbury Cathedral when I was young, this is something that also interests me, that, that I, want, I want to try as close as I can to be able to make the flute a proper voice. <laughs> and I'm just learning at this stage that it's actually quite hard. <laughs> I, I... So Sim Simply Flute really came out from the fact that I there'd been a, a very good response to the 20. I mean I you know I'm I'm flattered and I'm surprised and 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 thrilled that the 28 day warm up book has done so well. But the, the 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 Simply Flute website came out of that really is the idea that that one could sort of create material you know modern day method material and um, as with the, the, the 28 day warm up book, I've narrowed you know, my focus down to four areas. Um, it used to be called sonority, but I've changed that now to breathing and phrasing because without air on the flute, you do not have a voice. And if people don't know how to breathe, they cannot have sonority. So the first section is focusing on getting our lips and our, and, and our lungs really working for the incredible demands of the flute. The second area is something we've already talked about, which is to, you know, training the fingers to operate independently with as much independence as possible. The third area, again, we've talked a little bit about, which is articulation, because the tongue has to get up to some ridiculous stupid things and on that subject you know if we look at many many books uh we are with you know, the instruction in the book is to for double tugging is to go tucker 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 or dugger tucker 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 there in my opinion there isn't an ounce of music in those pronunciations they're machine guns so you know it's surely if you're going to double tongue and you don't want your tongue to tire, then you've got to change the vowel so the tongue goes to different points on the roof of the mouth. So instead of and you can go on forever with that, and you can go very fast, and the tongue is relaxed and never tires. So that's the third section that I like to focus on in daily practice. And then the final section is what I call the gymnastics of playing the instrument, which, uh, which are intervals. And of course, you know, if we've got lots of time for an interval, we we're, we're happy because we've got, you know, a, a, a big interval. Interval is, you know, tantamount to a significant gear change. But of course, music isn't always so obliging as to give us the time to do it. So we have to be able to move around the instrument quickly and accurately. So those are the four areas that I focus on in Simply Flute. And I, I do it with a combination of exercises. And uh, I've now taken pieces, uh, other Italian pieces. I've got something up at the moment. Uh, there's one due out very soon called Coffee Noodles. Yes. And these are just sort of these are just things to sort of you know rather than you know, a book of studies they're little things that they i i also go through all the keys 
Not so that someone sits down and says, okay, I'm going to play all the keys today. But yeah, if you suddenly think, actually, you know, I, I've always been slightly frightened of A flat major. There it is. And you can, you can explore these keys. Now, of course, if you, uh, I, I, you know, the, the most recent one that I put up was 60 in its entirety um, was 67 pages long. And this is called, this one was called Paul's Practice Onesies. And basically what I've done is I've put all those four sections back to back in one piece of music. So if you're stretched for time to practice, I mean, every day I try to do something in those four categories that I mentioned. But uh, if if you're strapped for time, you know, one of these onesies will actually you know, not simply maintain your flute playing, but if done every day, it will also, you know, continue to improve things for you. But the last one, as I say, you know, back, the whole thing in all keys is 67 pages long. The beauty of modern technology is that there'll be no, there'll be really no reason to put those 67 pages into one book and sell it. But as an online thing where people can either read it off their screens or they can just download, they can print off the relevant pages, bearing in mind the key that they want to work in. Um, it just, it's a more flexible way, I think, you know, the internet now is a more flexible way of approaching education. And I feel that I'm at the tip of the iceberg of it. And I think future generations will will have a, a you know a phenomenal time you know, working with content on the internet. What's really interesting with this piece that you this 67 pages which you put up over the weekend is that you were giving sort of teasers on a daily basis leading up to it and then you just collapsed right. it all together didn't you yeah as, as i say you know it, it's this this idea that um you know quite a lot of time people sort of just they, they play the flute rather than practice the flute yes and for those people who you know there are a lot of teachers who you know their schedule doesn't allow them so much time to practice but I think from beginning to end, you know, each one of those pieces without repeats is about five minutes long or 10 minutes with repeats. And, you you know, if you if that is going to help people maintain their standards, then um, I think it's, you know, it's uh, it's it's worthwhile to persevere with it. And you've given it away free 67 pages, Paul. Well, yes, because I am as stupid as I look. I say. <laughs> Um, this this whole I, um, you know I think you know that over the last seven weeks whatever it is you know I I think I've churned out something like twenty independent exercises with videos mm. um, and and it, it's it's free because I you know people have shown interest and it's 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 kind of uh, I I'm delighted to think that there's something there that people are a sort of um, are finding a distraction in these really very peculiar times um, by, you know, I've, I'm directing them to the page on Simply Flute where they can find all these free products. But I'm also hoping that they might, they, when they get there, they might see other things in Simply Flute that might make them think, well, actually, for the price of or less than the price of two coffees a month, I can have access to all this material. And someone in the United States very kindly wrote recently, you know, for, for, for less, I mean, the annual subscription, I think, is £45. And they, they said for less than the cost of a flute lesson, you can have access to this material. Um, yeah, there's, there's more than 1,500 pages of exercises and teaching notes. There are more than 350 videos on the site of me playing and demonstrating so there's a, a a huge amount of material there, and as as she was saying in America, you know, for for less than a, a, a flute lesson, one flute lesson, you can get all this material for the whole year. You can. It is uh, it is wonderful, but it's not just flute playing, Paul, is it? You actually bring in other areas of your life. Um. I, well, apparently, I I I am um, I'm known to. 
<laughs> enjoyed the, the occasional glass of wine. If anybody watches some of your videos, if because um, you, you take them in your library area, if you glance yeah, yeah. to the left, which I always like to do and look in the bookshelves, there's rather a lot of books right. on wine and champagne, sir. Yeah, but there's also books on the flute as well. <laughs> but, oh, oh that, that could be the champagne flute, of course. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's, it's, I think the, the, the reason for this is that I've enjoyed the experience. I mean, I've had a relationship with a champagne house for many, many years, for you know, more than 25 years. Um, and that led to me wanting to know more about the Champagne region. And it is fascinating. So um, I am knowledgeable about the history of Champagne and also the, uh, the, the, the methods for producing Champagne, the different areas where different grape varieties excel, etc. And I, I, I am uh, you know, genuinely fascinated in that. I also very early on in my life discovered I was allergic to the Cabernet Sauvignon grape, which rules out many Bordeaux wines. Yes. So I've, I've saved myself a fortune there, but I've also discovered that I do, my, my body really does like Pinot Noir. <laughs> and of course, Burgundy is the area in France for Pinot Noir. And I've, I've traveled through that area so many times and I love going to visit producers and, finding out how they you know how they approach both their work in the vineyards and actually the process of making their wines most of the wine i've bought over the years has been from producers in france and you know 15 20 years further down the line now when i open one of those bottles there is there's i'm not just drinking a wine i'm also uh, enjoying you know the memories of the occasion of of actually buying that wine over in France, so it's uh, is it, wine is a great joy for me, and it's, it's, it's it would be very easy to say I, I drink a lot, but I, I try not to do that because um, I just it's it's just such a pleasurable thing to know about, and uh, you know ev- every different uh, vineyard has got its own character. Well, you and you have some lifestyle and travel blog type. Uh, information within Simply Flute, which is a yep. it is a fantastic website, and as you say, it's at less than the cost of one flute lesson. You have a whole year of subscription with hundreds and hundreds of hours of practice notes, videos, everything that I everything that I put together, be it the sheet music or be it the videos, will always end up on on simply flutes so it's it's uh, you know the last seven weeks you know the the website has expanded significantly and uh i've got you know huge plans for the future and uh lots of uh you know very interesting things uh coming up and also the chance for i'll just wait for the clock to finish i thought i thought it was the butler coming in with your um morning tea Um, so, so, so you know, the the other thing that I'm that increasing I'm doing now is I'm uh, doing a series of duets, so that people will be able to download the music and also play along to you know me on the other flute part. Nice. And I think that that I think that that also you know will be constructive and will be you know an enjoyable part of this. I've already done one of these in a, a duet that's that hasn't been published for. Uh, more than 100 years, by Galli, a, a duet on Verdi's La Traviata. Um, oh, nice. And I've done, a, I've done a, you know, a music minus one version for both parts. So people can either play the first part or the second part, doesn't matter. I mean, uh, the beauty about the duets by Galli is that he divides up the importance between the parts. So even though you're the first part, that doesn't mean you've always got the, the, the top line. I mean, Galli himself wrote more than 400 works for the flute. Uh, really, the the I think only two books are still in print by Ricordi. So if you find these materials, there's so much uh, from the 19th century, particularly from Italy, which uh, which is of note. There's of course some shockingly bad material there as well, but 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 uh, there's enough to sift through to find the things that are interesting and satisfying to play. Well, I would strongly recommend simplyflute.com for anybody that's 
interest in not only flute playing, those that potentially are coming back to flute study after many, many years, but also for flute players in general, just to keep your, as you quite rightly say, you can take snippets of your exercises and utilise certain areas for certain weak points that you know you have. But also, it's just, it's like having all the resources in one place. Thanks for your support with that. I, I, you know, I, as I say, it's it's evolving, um, but it's it's also establishing its legs now. So I think that um, you know the, 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 the there should be uh, you know a, a lot of good reason to at least take a look at it. Well, as a mark of me actually being able to catch you at home and you not being too too busy. And uh, I'd like to give a couple of subscriptions away. And I will speak. Yeah. Yes, yes. Can I have one, please? Can I have one? <laughs> that would be quite funny, wouldn't it? You didn't have your own subscription. <laughs> but I, I just, this, this was, I mean, this, this, was, this was many, many years ago. And it's a slightly, a, a, a joke in poor taste. And it certainly doesn't apply now. Um, but when I was a student, there was something called the London Mozart Prize. And it was organised by the Mozart Mozart players and uh, this this is I mean this is more than 30 years ago and at the time that you know it, I think it happened every two years and, and at the the time that I was uh, you know entering the competition it it wasn't renowned for having a, a very it, it, it wasn't the best orchestra it's been <laughs> and it you know there, 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 there were there were sort of various issues around the orchestra so the, the 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 standard joke was, you know, if you if you went into the the London Mozart Players Competition, first prize was a a thousand pounds and a South Pank concerto with the London Mozart Players. Mm-hmm. Uh, second prize was a thousand pounds and two South Pank. <laughs> appearances <laughs> it's a very bad joke and, and i do apologize <laughs> for any anyone from the lens on mozart players out there who might be listening to this uh, but it, it was it was amusing at the time all those years ago certainly doesn't apply now no i will um i will speak with your management and um i will find out a way of getting uh, how we can work this pool yes okay, well, that's very kind and i and uh, i i i'm hugely appreciated from this end of the line. no no i love it i mean it really is it doesn't matter what standard you are even if you're regard yourself as a professional it is it's everything right. in there for everybody and um, let's face it that's what you've been like as a flute player and flute teacher and educator and motivator is that you believe the flute is for every single person doesn't matter what your age or your ability it's there to make music you know, it's a, it's a, a very very complicated instrument, and you know we we have to acknowledge. I, I mean, uh, I, I think uh, you, you know if I've got time to say this one, the Italian flute virtuoso Leonardo di Lorenzo summed it up very eloquently. I think when uh, he was asked towards the end of life, he died in 1958, I believe. And he was given an interview towards the end of his life. And the interviewer said, Maestro de Lorenzo, is the flute an easy instrument to play? And his answer is so valid for all of us. He said, the flute is an easy instrument to play badly. Oh, I love that. And that, that is so true because, uh, I, you know, I refer to that gap between our lips and the front edge of the lip plate where sound is generated. I refer to that as the Grand Canyon of flute playing because we're the only instrument where the air leaves our body before it gets into the flute, but we have to spin that air across from our lips to that front edge. And if we don't, that the flute will play us rather than us play the flute. So it, it is a pig of an instrument, but it's also a great joy to play it when we get it right. Do you know, I can't add anything more to that, sir. I mean, oh, well, that is just such know. a wonderful way to conclude this podcast. Excellent. Thank you very much for uh, for getting me involved in this. Uh, as you can probably gather, I'm deeply in love with the sound of my own voice. And if, 
if talking was an Olympic sport, I would be on the podium for, for, for the United Kingdom. Um, but uh, it's been, been a, a pleasure talking at you for the last 45 minutes, whatever. And, uh, and I, I, I hope there's, uh, for, your, uh, for your listeners, there's, there's at least something there that might be of vague interest. If not, they can always put me on at night time as a, as a sleeping aid. <laughs> there's masses. I just want to refer back to one point, which just to because you were going in and out, I think you were leaning closer to the microphone, the double tonguing. Okay. Instead of the tucka tucka right. or the dugger dugger, what do you actually do to your mouth? I I change the vowel sound because it's not with with, with articulation. We're so focused on the beginning of the note that we forget that actually it's the body of the note that's actually going to be as important to the listener. Yes. So. If I if I go tucka 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 tucka, I'm effectively creating explosions in the mouth. Yes, and you know perhaps that might be relevant in some contemporary music, but you're never going to. I mean, this is a, you know, a problem. I think a lot of people, flute players have with the scherzo from Midsummer Night's Dream. Oh yes, is that they 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 approach it as tucka tucka or dugga dugga. Mm-hmm. And there's no there is no potential for shape there. You're effectively you're putting yourself in a straitjacket where whereas if you so it's changing the vowels if you change the vowel sounds the tongue dances in the mouth rather than hammers in the mouth and if if you're if the tongue is dancing in the mouth then the follow after the articulation I mean, if you if you just if you just hear it as as I speak, yeah, dugga 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 is dead as a dodo. Yeah. There's life after the articulation. And I get it now, sir. Good, good. Perfect, perfect. Oh, do you know we'll have to meet up for a cup of tea soon? I think we're we're, we're allowed to do that in a park now. <laughs> <laughs> Two meters away. <laughs> Two away, yes. the tea will get cold uh, okay uh, it's been it's been a pleasure talking to you as i say i i hope those listening will manage to stay awake for for the duration i'm sure oh there's so much in there paul and that no doubt i have no doubt at all they'll want you back well very happy to do it perfect thanks once again to paul and to you for listening in to this talking flutes extra podcast wherever you are And as your country begins to unlock, please try to keep smiling through these very strange times. Keep practicing and know that one day these dark COVID clouds will lift and the sun will once more shine through on us all. Take care and stay healthy. Goodbye. Talking Flutes and Talking Flutes Extra are podcast productions by the Trevor James Flute Company. For more information, visit trevorjamesflutes.com.